Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Week 1 has come and gone, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to overreact to. I'm here to break down each and every single game. I'm not going to get too in-depth about each and every single game just because it's week 1 so I still feel like, you know, I want to give every team an opportunity to get talked about. Um, I'm not going to cover each game too much in depth but i'm just going to mention some of my key takeaways and then i'm going to finish each segment with an overreaction to each game i don't think i'm going to put timestamps down below i'm just going to go in order of how the games happen so i'm going to start off with lions chiefs thursday night football i'm going to go over the morning games and then the 1 p.m slate and then monday night football so if anything i'll probably just segment them by you know thursday night um sunday morning sunday afternoon Monday night, but honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to end up doing that. Uh, just seems like a lot of effort, and you guys can just skip ahead if you want to find the games that you're interested in most. Um, also, being week one, again, there is a lot to overreact to, and you have to take everything with a grain of salt. So, I'm not going to, you know, overreact too much, but that really is what we're here for. That's what makes it so fun um, because, you know, some things actually do have a significant impact into the season going forward and can give us a little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like this year other things you almost just need to throw completely out of the window and just completely forget about it and just give it a scratch because it might not end up making any impact at all later in the year either way i'm here to break it all down for you guys i hope you do enjoy this episode and let's get right into it Alright, so going all the way back to Thursday night, this is probably the game I'm going to spend the least amount of time talking about, simply because it was a while ago, and I'm sure you've already heard, have heard a lot about it. It was very, very much talked about in the media, and for good reason. I mean, good for the Lions to get the win. It's always good for this NFL script, quote-unquote, for an underdog team to win like this, for the reigning Super Bowl champions to go down, but uh, Mike Tirico did get some flack for saying there should be an asterisk next to this win. I don't entirely disagree with that. I mean, there's just so many ways that the Chiefs should have won this game. And frankly, um, there was a lot of ways that points could have gone in the opposite direction. For example, that pick six that the Lions had. If Kadarius Toney catches that ball, you know, maybe he doesn't end up getting the first down, but he most certainly doesn't turn into six points for the other team. That's just an example of one of them. He also had a couple of other drops in this game. Sky Moore had a drop late in the game. Not that that really affected it too much because it, they never should have been in that situation anyways. My point is, it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds for the Chiefs that... If you replay this game 100 times, you know, 90 times, I doubt that the, the Chiefs end up losing this one, even without two of their three best players in Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. So I don't want to sound like a total, you know, Debbie Downer and I'm discrediting the Lions because it's great for the Lions. I think it's really cool that they got this win. And no matter what, the Chiefs are always a hard to, team to face. I was really impressed with how well their defense played. Um, but overall, again... You really can't take too much away from this game. And now that Chris Jones is back, you expect Travis Kelsey to be back sooner rather than later. I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine until we see them continuously having a die run spiral. I really don't think you can count them out as proper Super Bowl contenders. And I also don't think you can quite prop up the Lions as Super Bowl contenders either. I think that there was a lot more going on here than meets the eye. And there was, you know, players that weren't playing and on top of that there was plenty of drops that i don't think would ever happen again so overall i don't take too much away from this game again not going to spend too much time on this game i will say though i was really impressed with the lions rookies i thought jack campbell had a great game brian branch even though that was kind of spoon fed to him for the pick six he still made the play and made it happen so impressed with what happened there and then jameer gibbs in his very limited action did look really good he didn't have many touches and we do expect that to increase as you know time goes on David Montgomery, you know, getting 21 carries there this game. Uh, I don't expect that to be a continuous trend. I do expect Jameer Gibbs to just see more and more work as we, you know, go forward into this year. But overall, can't take too much away from it. So let's get into Bengals Browns. I'm not even going to cut here. I'm just going to go straight into it. One take. We're going to see how well I do. Maybe I'll cut this up a few times, but I'm just going to keep rambling and we're going to see how far i can take it and how good it ends up being um if i feel like i'm losing it a little bit and i'm kind of lulling off then i'll stop i'll get a drink of water i don't know i'll figure it out i'll do something because i've been used to last year i did almost all of these in one take which was kind of fucking crazy now that i look back on it and this past off season i've been doing a lot more multiple takes um, a lot more editing 
So it makes my job a little bit harder, but at the same time, I think it makes the quality better. Um, we're probably going to do a little bit of both in this one. Let me know what you guys think of it. Again, let's get into Bengals and Browns. Uh, this game, although a lot of people, I guess they would say it was pretty surprising looking at the end score, and a lot of people definitely would have thought it would have been closer, including myself. Um, and obviously the biggest storyline coming out of this one is how good that Browns defense looked and how well they played. I mean, if you just look at the stats, they really do speak for themselves. Joe Burrow only had 82 passing yards in this one on 31 pass attempts. Uh, the team stats tell the same story. 2.6 yards per play for the Bengals, 4.9 for the Browns. It's not like the Browns were, you know, absolutely explosive on offense, but their defense was just had a very tight chokehold around this Bengals offense even though they didn't get home too many times with the sacks uh, there was consistent pressure from not only Miles Garrett but it was nice to see their additions in Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson also contribute to this one because again there was a big emphasis in getting more help along the defensive line to help out Miles Garrett this offseason they brought in a couple guys and they did their job very effectively um, very impressive and as a Browns fan not speaking for myself but if you are a browns fan out there you have to be very excited from what you saw and then of course only 142 yards allowed for the Bengals, only 75 rushing yards it was just all out domination of course you can say if you're a Bengals fan you know you're going on the opposite side of this and you are saying you know um oh it was the weather and we all know joe burrow has small hands so he has problems holding on to some of those balls there um you know i'm kidding a little bit but I, I also am being kind of serious um i am being serious in the fact that the rain did have something to do with this also again can't forget Bur burrow missed multiple weeks right before this with this calf strain so again you can't overreact to this too much it is week one it was in cleveland the weather was ass and again it's not like deshaun watson was playing very well either he really couldn't make a throw further than 10 yards down the field when he was asked to do so he was having trouble with the weather as well lots of struggles with inaccuracy he did have a touchdown in this one rushing um but overall you expect to see a lot more from Deshaun Watson as a Browns fan. Again, you can just look at his numbers. 29 attempts for only 154 yards. Again, you can say the weather played a factor in that. But overall, that's not a great stat line at all. And just given, you know, judging by the eye test, he really did not look good in this one. So again, can you say, you know, is it the weather? Is it is he cooked? Is Deshaun just going to be, you know, never going to be the guy that we saw in Houston when he really was amazing? But I guess my overreaction to this one... Um, Oh, I didn't really mention my overreaction for the Lions and the Chiefs. I was going to say my biggest overreaction, and it does partially have to do with the Packers game, is that the Lions and the Packers are going to be the only teams competing for the NFC North title. The Bears and the Vikings will be nowhere near such <laughs> such achievements. But my biggest takeaway, or I guess my biggest overreaction, because again, this is really an episode focused on overreactions as week one Everyone loves to overreact. That's what the talking heads do. That's what I like to do as I am myself a talking head. Um, the Browns will have a top five defense this year. I don't actually think that's the craziest overreaction either. I could definitely see a world where it ends up happening, especially led by their front seven. Again, their linebackers aren't great, but I love what they've done along their defensive line. If you follow me this offseason, you already know that. And I love, 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 love a couple pieces of their young secondary. Bringing in Juan Thronehill was nice, but a lot of the guys that they've drafted there, including Martin Emerson, and Denzel Ward have been excellent additions for them. Up next, let's move on to the Texans and the Ravens. As you can see, guys, I'm getting by these fast, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm kind of wired on some caffeine right now, so we're just going to keep it going. No cuts, one take. Let's fucking do it. Texans versus Ravens. I was impressed with how... Uh, close the Texans kept it in the first half I think their defense can make some noise this year that's something I would take away as a Texans fan obviously you kind of expect that and just name value wise you do like some of the pieces they have especially in their secondary um, I like how much pressure they got up front that was something that kind of surprised me and then the second half happened and it was just a completely different narrative the Texans kind of disappeared um, CJ Stroud you kind of saw some of the concerns that came out in college really play out on the NFL level there when his pocket was clean you could work with it there's some good things that you would um, you would like to see if you're a Texans fan when the pocket breaks down and he has to roll out under pressure um, you know outside of that Georgia game which he really did help his stock in because he was on the move a lot um, when he was on the move in this one accuracy was definitely a major concern another thing as a texans fan or if you are a texans fan i keep saying like as a fan as if like i myself am the fan but what i'm trying to say is if you are a texans fan out there i think you'd be kind of surprised to see that noah brown was getting as many snaps as he did and that tank dell didn't 
obviously it's preseason, but Tank Dell played very well in that three-week stretch. And although I wasn't too high on him coming out of college, excuse me, there is something very interesting there as far as using him like as a weapon. You know, if he could be put in a type of role that we just saw Zay Flowers playing um, for the Ravens, if do you? I don't know if you guys hear that, but there's a little construction outside my door. I'm gonna pause this really quick and hope that drilling stops. <laughs> okay, I think I think we're good. Hopefully. Anyways, what I was trying to say is Zay Flowers was used in a very creative role where they got the ball in his hands when he had it was more short field stuff and they just gave him field to work with and gave him open space and he was consistently making people miss because he's just he plays at a very very high quick level where he's very very twitchy and he trusts his instincts very much even though he's not the biggest guy his goal isn't you know he's not one of those yards after the catch guys like Debo Samuel AJ Brown who can just lower their shoulder and they turn into a running back this is more Dante Hall if you know who that is a uh, human joystick he used to go as where you get him in open space and he's just too quick you almost can't even get your hands on him I'm surprised that we didn't see more of that from Tank Dell and I think as the season goes forward we will see more of that from Tank Dell I think the biggest overreaction that I have for this game and I don't even know if it's that much of an overreaction I think Zay Flowers is legitimately the wide receiver one and Baltimore and I think he has a legitimate shot in leading all rookie receivers in receptions and receiving yards I think the guy that's going to give him the most um, trouble with that is probably Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison also himself had a pretty good week one, had a touchdown himself. But I mean, Zay Flowers had the most targets on the team, was on the field more than any other Ravens receiver. He's legitimately the wide receiver one already in week one, which is really, really impressive. And I think he will be going forward. Um, another notable takeaway from this game, this isn't an overreaction. This is just me analyzing it. And it, it sucks to see jk dobbins tore his achilles this dude cannot stay healthy prayers up to him that really fucking sucks uh he is a player that i really really liked coming out of ohio state um rooting for him very heavily he's a good player it sounds like in this locker room it sounds like the players were really really you know bummed out um not that you know they wouldn't be bummed out that one of their guys tore their achilles but it sounds like he was very important to this locker room is what i'm trying to say um that was kind of a weird way to phrase it he ends up tearing his Achilles. Marcus Williams sounds like he's got a shoulder injury. Tyler Linderbaum's got an injury. And then Ronnie Stanley has an injury. It hasn't really been revealed the severity of those guys. I'm assuming the fact that you haven't heard about the severity is probably a good thing and maybe means that they'll, I don't know, be day to day or week to week. But especially in the case, honestly, all three of these guys that I just mentioned, Marcus, Tyler, and Ronnie, they need them back ASAP. Those are three really, really, really important players to this team. Marcus Williams was excellent for them last year at safety. They had one of the better safety duos in the league, in my opinion. And then Tyler Linderbaum is legitimately one of the better setters in the league. And he was a rookie last year, so you only expect him to get better. I loved him coming out of college. If you remember me going over um, that draft excuse me, a couple years ago, you guys remember I loved him. And then Ronnie Stanley, obviously very, very important, not only... Um, you know, as a player, but just as a position, left tackle, so important in today's NFL. So you really hope he can get back and stay healthy. But let's move on to the Bucks versus the Vikings. First overreaction, is Baker back? Probably not. He's probably not back. But it was fun to see him, you know, talk some shit, cook up a little bit, make some good plays to Mike Evans and some other guys there. Um, there's a really cool clip of him getting a stiff arm. And then, you know, talking shit to a guy which i'll just look i'll let you guys find that one on by yourselves because i thought it was really funny um another overreaction is just are the vikings toast they're probably not let's be honest they're probably will not have this many tur turnovers again that really was the deciding factor in this game the bucks didn't have a single turnover the vikings had three that really was the difference in this game um and again, I don't think the vikings are going to be as good as they were last year but you've been hearing me say that all off season and I do think that Justin Jefferson is going to be, you know, just as incredible as he was last offseason. I do expect Alexander Madison to get more of a workload as we go forward. Um, the Bucks' run defense was playing really well in this one, but at the same time, the script really wasn't in the Vikings' favor either to be running the ball consistently. But I do expect that to change. I don't expect to Kirk for Kirk Cousins to have 44 passes again each game. I just don't think it's sustainable. I know they did it a lot last year, but a lot of times, again, that wasn't by choice. There was just a lot of, I don't want to say miracle games because they did it consistently, so you can't really call it a miracle, but there was a lot of fluky games, I guess you could call it, um, where Kirk was 
being put in positions where they were behind. He was having to throw the ball a lot. And I just don't really think that's a winning formula. We saw it go in the right direction for them last year. I don't think it's sustainable. Um, it's also worth mentioning that the Bucks run game was abysmal in this one. Rashad, uh, I almost said Rashad Penny. Rashad White had 17 carries for 39 yards. That is terrible, terrible, terrible efficiency. And honestly, I don't see it getting much better. Uh, we kind of knew that this team was not going to be good at running the ball. They weren't good at running the ball at all last year. They were so bad at it. In fact, they basically refused to do it. I believe Tom Brady led the league in pass attempts because of it. Um, and then other than that, I mean, again, there's not too much to take away from here just because, I mean, the Vikings had far more yards than the Buccaneers. They had way more passing yards. The only category they didn't really beat them out in was rushing yards. And again, that was just because of the way the script played out. But I really don't think the Vikings are going to go 6-14 and 14 on third down again. And I really don't think they're going to have three turnovers again. I just... I think this was somewhat of a fluke. I don't think the Buccaneers are a better team than the Vikings. And if you replay this game again, I don't think that's going to how it, it's going to end up. But with all that being said, I still don't think the Vikings are, you know, I think they're the third best team in the NFC North. Frankly, I said that going into the season. I'm still standing behind that fact. And I think the Buccaneers are just lucky that they're in the NFC South and the NFC South is not all that good. But I don't think they're going to make any serious legitimate noise in the NFC. Let's move on to the Panthers at the Falcons. First off, yes, Bryce Young did have two bad interceptions in this one, both going to Jesse Bates. Both basically the exact same read where it was like a crosser over the middle. Jesse didn't even read his eyes. Whoa. Because Bryce, especially on the second one, or maybe it was the first one. I can't remember because they were such similar plays that I can't remember which one. But Bryce was trying to look him off in one. And it was like... What like, great effort, you know? You see a rookie quarterback looking off to his left, trying to get the safety to bait out that way. Um, but the problem is, there was just nowhere to go to the left side anyways, and Jesse Bates is just way too good of a safety. I mean, this is an all-pro level free safety we're talking about, so he totally just read Bryce like a book. But at least I liked that Bryce was trying to do that. And honestly, other than those two bad picks, I thought he played pretty well. I actually thought he was reading the field pretty well. He looked pretty calm back there. He wasn't locking on to his first or second read every time. He was getting to his, you know, third and fourth progressions at times. I mean, obviously, you can't entirely tell, especially when you're watching it from a TV uh, broadcast. It is kind of hard to tell um, how they coach up the progressions. Even when you're watching an All-22, it's hard to tell what they coach you to look for or what receiver you're supposed to look at first where you're supposed to go with your reads you know one two three what order it's supposed to be in but seemingly at least from my point of view obviously there can be debate for this i thought bryce was getting through his reads really well and i don't really think that this is on him i just think that <laughs> it was kind of expected in this one honestly the falcons just are sorry not the falcons the panthers just don't have very good weapons for him to work with just none honestly like the fact that hayden hurst was the most effective weapon that they had on that field that day. It's just really telling just, just how bad the Panthers receivers are right now. Not to say that they can't be something someday, and you expect Jonathan Mingo to, you know, be better going forward. I really think that that's going to be, like, their best weapon by the time we get to the end of the season. But at the same time, you don't really hope for a second-round receiver to come in and immediately just be, like, the guy. That is, like, best-case scenario. Obviously, there's cases where that happens, and, you know, there's, we have guys like Amara who, like, I think he went in like the fourth or fifth or whatever it was. And he immediately came in and was wide receiver one. But again, that's not always achievable. That's not always realistic. That doesn't always end up happening. As far as the Falcons go, this coaching staff clearly does not trust Desmond Raider. This dude was not throwing down the field at all. Um, the one time he did, it was a terrible ball to Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts ended up making an incredible play and making up for Desmond Raider, you know, not looking too good and just kind of saved him and bailed him out. So, I mean, overall, again, I do think i was a little too bullish on the atlanta falcons ritter's numbers were good don't get me wrong like the he good completion percentage but if you're looking like yards per attempt it's just nowhere near up there 18 attempts for only 115 yards obviously no interceptions or anything like that but still not great and you can argue the same for bryce young i mean 38 attempts for only 146 yards but again i like the situation so much more around ritter so it's like you can't take too much away from this. I think one thing that I really am taking away from it is, again, I think I was a little too high on the Falcons. I did say that the Falcons are going to be in a really close race for the NFC South with the Saints. And I think it's going to be one of these teams is going to go nine and eight. I think the other goes 10 and seven and wins the division, or maybe even nine and eight wins the division. The other one goes eight and nine. I think it's going to be one of those cases, but 
I need to see a lot more from Ritter if I'm really trusting this team to take the next step. And I mean, I guess they really just are what we expect them to be, a really, really elite run game. I think one thing, uh, as a Bijan owner myself in fantasy, I'm a little bit nervous about Tyler Algier and what his role is going to be because I don't want him to vulture all the goal line work, and it kind of feels like he's going to end up doing that in this one. I think the Falcons are smart, especially long-term, to not give Bijan... 25 touches immediately i do expect him to get more touches going forward um i liked how they used him in the receiving game he got a bunch of receptions in this one he's so dynamic as a receiver it's just smart football to use him that way it just makes way too much sense um but again i was a little surprised that he didn't get as many carries on the ground as he did algier got 15 Bijan only got 10 so i was a little bit surprised by that if i just cut out for a second i'm sorry about that whoa we got dogs barking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, um, I guess that's really all I have to say about that one. I will say, though, my one overreaction from this one. Oh, I forgot to say my overreaction to the Bucks vikings game, too. My This is a fun overreaction to the Bucks vikings And I don't think this is going to happen, but as an overreaction, I think it'd be super, super fun. And as a fan, I think it'd be super, super fun. Now that Aaron Rodgers is out for the season for the New York Jets, can you imagine if the Minnesota Vikings just end up blowing it this year and by mid-season they're like three and five or two and six or just really really abysmal right and it's just not looking good at all and kirk more than likely is not going to end up being there next year wait is that next year i'm trying to think when his contract goes through i don't know directly off the top of my head but either next year or the year after that kirk's contract expires what if he's traded to the jets mid-season that's a very, very big overreaction. I'm well aware, but as a fan and from a narrative point of view, that would be fucking fun. I would, I would totally be here for it as a football fan. And as a, if you're a Jets fan, that's best case scenario. That's like the best thing you could ever ask for. <laughs> and then my overreaction to the Panthers versus the Falcons is that Algier and Bijan will both finish top 12 in fantasy this year from the running back position. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good overreaction too. It's not as juicy as the Kirk one. And honestly, I think there's a world where it does happen. I think if I said top 15, I would have probably gotten comments being like, that's going to happen. Like, that's not too hot. Um, but top 12, that's spicy. And, I, and realistically, I genuinely do think it could happen. Let's move on to the Cardinals versus the Commanders. First off, yuck. Um, this game was fucking gross. There were so many penalties in this game. And I was just like halfway through watching it because neither of these teams let's be real like these teams just looked bad they both looked really really bad if you're a commanders fan i think you have to be pretty disappointed with how sam howell played he really did not look too great and i think he just made too many mistakes and his o-line was letting him down at times um just not great not great all the way around just not a good game not a clean game both of these teams uh, at least the Cardinals, you're not expecting to be in any game at all, and you're not expecting to even be competitive. You're, If you're a Cardinals fan and you're realistic, you're really expecting to be in contention for the number one overall pick. Um, but you nearly won this game. So I don't really think that's telling to, you know, oh my, holy surprising, like the Cardinals might actually be half decent. It's not going to be like a Seahawks situation of last year where everyone was projecting the Seahawks to be one of the worst teams. Next thing you know, they're in the playoffs. That's that's not the case here, right? That's not going to happen. It's more so like, holy shit, are the commanders just ass? Like, are they going to be really bad this year? Um, and I think as a commanders fan, you have to be nervous about that after this game because it didn't look good, right? Two fumbles lost, an interception thrown, uh, three turnovers in a game on top of eight penalties for 69 yards. Nice. It's like, how? And then you allowed six sacks to this front seven. That is really, really bad. I just don't know how you can be satisfied as a Commanders fan. I think you have to be really nervous going forward. Um, I know it's only week one and we can only overreact so much, but I mean, come on now. It's the, it's the fucking Cardinals. I just don't see how you can, I don't know. Whatever. The Cardinals side of the ball, they had nine penalties for 122 as well. So it's not like you were seeing too much from that side either. But again, it's not like you're trying to. I think... A fantasy takeaway from this game is that Zach Ertz and Logan Thomas are low-key probably the biggest targets in fantasy for both of these teams I mean they led both of their teams in targets and as far as volume goes fantasy is really all about volume in my my opinion obviously you want valuable volume if you're getting a lot of red zone touches that's the most valuable volume you can get but Logan Thomas led his team in 
targets so did zach Ertz. that's definitely worth you know mentioning and definitely worth monitoring if you are needy for a tight end especially with how fucking bad the tight end position is in fantasy legitimately if you don't have travis kelsey it's like it's just a crapshoot each and every single week obviously you can put some other guys in there like you know week by week mark andrews might have a good one george kittle might have a good one but i mean andrews was out week one kittle basically dropped a goose egg he had three points uh waller didn't do shit so it's like the tight end position sucks maybe go take a chance on zach Ertz and logan thomas because week in week out they might lead their league lead their team in targets um overall i think my overreaction to this one is pretty harsh but i think it's pretty realistic it's that these teams won't win more than six games combined so basically i don't think either one of these teams is going to win more than three games because i mean think about it, that could that's fucking realistic that's an overreaction but like it could really happen the cardinals legitimately could only win like one or two games the cardinal or sorry the commanders could only win like four that's real that could definitely happen um i'm sorry if you're a commanders fan you're listening to this and i'm sorry if i'm bursting your bubble but i think your bubble's already bursted when the cardinals almost kicked your ass so i think enough said let's go on to the jaguars versus the colts so first off calvin ridley still really good uh still you know possibly top 10 receiver in this league but we'll get to that in a second second off zay jones should be owned in every single league don't matter uh christian kirk obviously going to steal some work from him and i think there's going to be some weeks where christian goes off and then zay goes off but i think trevor lawrence is seriously in for a breakout season like i know he broke out technically last year and they made the playoffs they even won, hell they won a playoff game but i think this is the year where he takes that next step and he really is like one of the guys in the national football league um and so I think Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are going to be beneficiaries of that. I His numbers weren't great in this one, but I think the Colts' defense is sneakily better than people realize. And I overall, looking on the other side of the ball, I was impressed with how Anthony Richardson played. He wasn't asked to do very much, but at the same time, he did exactly what he was asked, if that makes sense. Um, pretty much saw exactly what we thought we would as far as, yeah, it's going to be rough. He's a freak athlete. There's going to be some ups and downs. Um, it's kind of like Josh Allen his rookie year where it's like, whoa, okay this dude's an athlete he got a rushing touchdown good for him his numbers might be pretty good in fantasy football um they're gonna be down a lot of games so the script's gonna you know be playing out that he has to pass the ball a lot um but overall i like the way they used him you know they use the screen game as an extension of the run game a lot of rpos uh hopefully the running backs can stay healthy because obviously jonathan taylor already out evan hall went down in this one um if Deion jackson when he was on the field was just playing out just flat out bad playing out that's not a that's not a phrase um he was just flat out bad 13 carries for 14 yards is terrible um so i mean you hope you can get more production there because it really would help anthony richardson in his development um also was not impressed from what i saw from take bigsby uh, other rookie running back in this game for the jacksonville jaguars he single-handedly cost them a touchdown don't really know what was going through his head i know it's a first game and it's rookie mistakes and it's all that but like dude come on bro <laughs> like don't just stand there with the ball in your hand when you know the whistle hasn't been called yet that's just a dumb mental error and i'm sure they're gonna be on him and i'm sure it's not gonna happen again but like come on that was pretty bad um overall though i would say that yeah anthony richardson impressed me i liked what i saw there and i think that this is just gonna be a pretty predictable year for the colts as far as you know, they might be in more games than people realize. I think their defense is a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Um, their offensive line hopefully can have a bounce back year this year because they were asked last year and hopefully they can just stay healthy. But overall, Anthony Richardson just proving that he's an athlete. He's going to be raw. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be some flashes of woe. And there's going to be some interceptions. And that's just going to happen. That's going to be how it goes this year. I don't think that's an overreaction at all. But my overreaction for this one is that Calvin Ridley finishes as a top seven receiver in fantasy. I don't even know how much of an overreaction. Maybe the overreaction would have been like he finishes top five. Because, I mean, after week one, he's like the wide receiver two. <laughs> so maybe top five is the proper way to go about it. But I think top seven's fair. Because I think, you know, I don't think anyone's really having him in top seven pre-rankings. He was more like the, the turn of the like wide receiver one and two. I think top seven's fair to be an overreaction. Okay, Niners versus Steelers. Ouch. I took. I told a lot of you guys to take the Steelers. My bad, bro. That one's on me. I, I just. I, there's nothing to say there. I was just didn't really see that going this way. Um, Kenny Pickett looked really bad. Thought he was going to be due for a breakout year. He did not play well at all. 
uh, Najee Harris literally only carried the ball six times because Kenny Pickett had to throw it 40 fucking six times because they were down basically all game. The problem is it's almost hard to evaluate this one because it was almost over before it even started. The Niners just got off to such a fat lead, and it's so hard to come back on a defense as good as the Niners. Um, that, again, it's like how much can you really take away from this? One thing I will say, I was surprised how many touches Christian McCaffrey got. I know that he's incredible like obviously you want to give one of your best players on offense a ton of touches but 22 carries i don't think that's sustainable i don't think you want to do that game in and game out especially when you're up this much lay off bro like give give elijah mitchell more touches give debo samuel more backfield work you know whatever it is just in my opinion and if i'm running the san francisco 49ers I never want Christian getting more than 20 carries simply because we know what the injury history is like. That's why I told you guys not to take him number one overall. That's why I told you guys probably not even to take him in the top three um, because injuries are very real. I mean, I know that injury optimism can make for really good predictions and it can make for a really, really good team if all these guys can stay healthy. But simply put, injuries happen. We're, we see it each and every single week and especially it happens to guys who tend to get injured more often than not we've seen this before um so 22 carries too many for christian mccaffrey there brandon Ayuk had an incredible game in this one he's looking like he's transitioning into the wide receiver one of this team but let's just get into i this is easily the easiest game to overreact to because it was such a slaughter and i expected the steelers to be a lot better this year and i expected kenny pickett to take big steps forward so let's just list off like four or five overreactions god sorry if you can hear the dog barking outside but i mean the first overreaction and i don't even think this is an overreaction i think there's a legitimate argument for this one is that tj watt is still the best defensive player in the league not micah parsons not you know whoever else you want to put in that debate nick bosa it's not either one of those guys it's tj watt he had a monster monster game despite him putting in his best efforts for the steelers to win they still ended up with the l but i mean fuck dude three sacks two forced fumbles uh looks unblockable at times he is incredible the next overreaction kenny pickett is a bust um again we'll have to see it's only week one san francisco's defense is incredible this game was pretty much over before it even started so i i it was hard to watch though at times like there were just some bad bad throws and some bad decisions and a lot of that stuff really doesn't help um i obviously don't expect him to be this bad the rest of the season going forward but fuck i hope he can play better this year or else some of my predictions are going to look pretty stupid um another overreaction purdy and again don't know how much of an overreaction this is i actually think this could really happen again bearing health injuries all that stuff Purdy will lead the Niners to a Super Bowl. How fun would that be? Just undrafted free agent. Or no, not undrafted free agent. Mr. Irrelevant, my bad. Um, going into his second year, coming off basically like Tommy John surgery. That was the other thing I didn't get in this game. Brock Purdy looked so fucking good. He was dropping some crazy dimes. Um, even though, like, obviously, sometimes I give a little bit of grief to 49ers quarterbacks because Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming these guys open. It's like... You just need to like hit the guy, you know? It's not like that deep. But that second touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk over Patrick Peterson was a fucking dot. And I was not expecting to see plays like that coming out of like this player because, oops, I just clicked on a video. Um, simply because he's coming off of surgery. I really didn't trust that he was gonna be looking this good this early into the season. I didn't, I wasn't necessarily saying that purdy was a fluke and he's gonna be back to you know like the basement and all this and that i wasn't going that far but i was saying just like pump the brakes a little bit because he seriously got a or what am i trying to say he got a very serious surgery this offseason but it didn't look to affect him at all so next overreaction purdy will lead the niners to a super bowl my next overreaction which again is this really an overreaction um Ayuk will have three 1300 yards this year I almost said 3,000 yards. That would have been, that would be an overreaction for sure. But 1,300 yards, I feel like that's realistic. He had 1,000 last year. Could he take the next step up? He's coming into the wide receiver one role in this offense. Debo Samuel obviously had a down year last year. Um, some people do expect him to bounce back, but if that doesn't end up happening, maybe it goes for 1,300. I think a great overreaction would be, or a really hot overreaction more like, would be Ayuk was have, will have 1,500 yards this year. That's something that feels like, you could make an argument for, but it's definitely an overreaction. 
And then my last overreaction, actually two more overreactions. I already mentioned earlier, Purdy will lead the Niners to a Super Bowl. Well, the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to do it. They're going to make it past the hump. They're going to win it all this year. Um, you know, the Bengals looked like ass week one. The Chiefs lost week one. Who else? The Bills got their ass whooped. They didn't really get their ass whooped. Josh Allen kind of whooped the Bills' ass in that game. But either way, the biggest contenders in the AFC all go down week one. Um, you know, the Eagles not looking quite as good. Maybe have that Super Bowl hangover. Just playing, you know, the history card. It's very, very rare that you see a team lose a Super Bowl then go back the very next year. That almost never happens. So just playing the odds, it's kind of the Niners' year. It's kind of due for it. And then... My last overreaction is the Steelers are actually the worst team in the AFC North. Excuse me. And again, you can argue that's not really an overreaction right now. The Browns' defense looked incredible. The Bengals, you expect them to bounce back. And the Ravens just always seem to be good. And you know a little bit more about them now. Even with their injuries, you know what Lamar is. Um, you seemingly know what Zay Flowers in their running game is. Um, their defense, you know, always seems to be in the top eight of the NFL. So... I mean, there's a legitimate case that the Steelers could be the worst team in the AFC North. Up next, Titans versus Saints. Uh, I don't really want to talk about this game too much because it was just fucking boring and ugly. And, oh, God, it was just... It was like no, neither team wanted to win, especially the Titans. God, Ryan Tannehill played bad. And I know that he was under a decent amount of pressure and his O-line is not that good and it wasn't that good last year and it's looking like it's not going to be good again. But... I think the biggest overreaction is this is like will will Levis start by week five like is that is that even an overreaction because if Tannehill keeps throwing three picks a game that's not an overreaction Levis is going to be on the field sooner rather than later maybe the bigger overreaction is should Malik uh, Willis start over over Will Levis well the names sound kind of similar now that I think about it but maybe that maybe that's a better overreaction either way um, the Titans secondary was just getting fucking cooked in this one it looked like the titans of last year you know titans really incredible d-line have a lot of rotational pieces along that defensive line arden key had a couple of key plays in this one um obviously you got guys like harold landry jeffrey simmons that's the identity of this team they run through that front seven but then on the back half of their defense all those dbs were terrible last year they were one of the worst passing defenses in all of football i think they were the worst technically by yards and it looked just the same. They were getting cooked by Michael Thomas a couple times. Chris Olave beat him deep. Raheem, Raheem Shahid. Rashid Shahid. What the fuck is that guy's name? It's something R. Shahid. I don't remember his first name right now. But they all had incredible games. Um, Derek Carr's numbers weren't like bonkers or anything like that. But they were they were pretty damn good. Especially because, you know, his receivers were... Actually, they were, they were pretty fucking good, dude. 23 completions for 305 yards as opposed to... Ryan Tannehill's 16 completions for 198 and three picks. Yeah, that's significantly better. And then if you just look at the player stats, again, it tells you the, excuse me, Titans defense, especially their secondary, got cooked. Chris Olave, eight catches, 108, 112 yards. Uh, it is Rashid. Rashid Shahid, five catches, 89 yards. Michael Thomas, five catches, 61 yards. So it was just overall, they got, they got cooked. They got cooked a lot. Um, you expect to see better efficiency along the ground. Jamal Williams really did not do a lot in that front. But again, that buys into what the Titans do and what they don't do. They've got a good D-line, not a good secondary. It's just like it was last year. Really not too surprising here. If you had Nick Folk in fantasy like myself, you are stoked because he literally scored every single one of the Titans' points. And if you're a DeAndre Hopkins owner, you're not that stoked because not only is Ryan Tannehill looking like shit, DeAndre maybe doesn't entirely look like himself he's going to be a great possession receiver he's going to be working a lot of the third down especially third and long you almost always know where the ball is going to be going um but just doesn't have a lot of that juice like he used to especially that jump ball to marshawn Lattimore. yeah it wasn't a great throw don't get me wrong but it's deandre hopkins you expect a little bit more from that anyways i'm not going to take too much away from this game because it's just like what can you really say like on the other side of the ball it's like the saints d-line is it still really good or is tennessee's o-line still really ass overall i think i need to see more from both of these teams to really take away anything from them um again i still think i still feel the same way i felt about them coming into the year i still think the titans have some issues on their offensive line love their defensive line hate their secondary and then the saints side of the ball it's more like is their o-line not that good because I think they're better than they played on Sunday. 
I think that's for sure, especially run blocking. You expect that to get better. Pass protection, honestly, you expect that to get better too. Um, but it's like, what's their ceiling? That's what we were talking about all offseason with the Saints. It's like the Saints should be a pretty good team. They're in a terrible division. But it's like, are they really going to compete? Probably not. And I'm still feeling the exact same way after this game. Let's move on to Raiders-Broncos. I'm probably taking way too long on all these. I'm 38 minutes in this recording. Fuck. Yeah, we got to hurry this up. Um, Raiders-Broncos. Who cares? Nah, for real. But both these teams are still just pretty mid. Not going to lie. Also, holy penalties, dude. Like, I thought these teams were supposed to be better because their coaches are better than they were in previous years. But fucking shit, dude. There were so many penalties in this game. Honestly, this game was just really boring to watch. Um, It was very much... Raiders Broncos I think the only people who were heavily invested in this game were Raiders or Broncos fans because it just wasn't that much fun to watch um Russell Wilson it uh, looked like he got like the Desmond Raider treatment pretty much it looked like the coaching staff just didn't trust him at all his average depth of target was ridiculously low he had 34 attempts for only 177 yards again no interceptions and two picks which you like to see but I mean 34 fucking attempts for 177 that is god awful he's just not throwing down the field at all so again telling that the coaching staff doesn't really trust this guy and then jimmy garoppolo again just looks pretty average i I will give him credit i have to give him some flowers you know he gave him that go ahead touchdown and the two minute drill or maybe you don't want to call it two minute drill but he led his team down the field at the end of the game to give them the lead they ended up winning the game um but again it's like how much can you really take away from this one? If you just look, again, looking at the team stats, 10 penalties for the Raiders for 97 yards, 10 penalties for the Broncos. And it was remarkable how similar these teams' numbers were. I mean, if you look at total yards, there was literally one yard difference, 261 for the Raiders versus 260 for the Broncos. 22 first downs a pop, five for 11 on third down. Uh, Raiders got one fourth down. Broncos didn't have to go for a fourth down. Even on total plays, the Raiders ran 55 plays. The Broncos ran 58. So it was just extremely similar. Of course, the Raiders got an interception in there. Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception. Um, Didn't end up battering for the final score, but overall... I mean, again, got to give Jimmy G some credit. Go-ahead touchdown was impressive. Myers played very well in this one before he got knocked out, seemingly with a concussion. Hopefully, he can get back and on the field soon. Um, but again, there's not too much to, to react to here. I really, like, I couldn't even think of, like, an overreaction in this game because, frankly, they kind of just looked like the two teams I thought they were going to be going into the playoffs. Just mid. Not good. Not the worst teams in the league, but not good. Right? And... From the Broncos' side of the ball, you want to see more from the pass rush. I really liked how their run defense played. I thought their linebackers played well. Uh, Josh Jacobs had terrible efficiencies. Patrick Sertans, obviously proving why he's an all-pro cornerback, played excellent across from Devontae Adams when they played against each other. That was the most interesting part about this game by a mile. Outside of the last drive of the game, obviously that was fun to watch. You like to see go-ahead touchdowns, um, you know, a player lead this team. That was cool. But consistently snap in what am i trying to say play in and play out Devonte adams and just sertan were really the only reason why to watch this game and then the broncos i mean maybe open up the offense a little obviously i get that russ was cooked last year and it's seemingly they still don't trust him because he's, he's probably still cooked but like dude 34 attempts for 177 yards i'm gonna say it again that's ass open up the offense more also Javante Williams being back and running really strongly that was good to see obviously coming off of an injury I think maybe two years removed now from an injury if I'm not mistaken uh love to see him back because he is super super electric when he is on the field and I need to see more from this Broncos pass rush they overpaid the fuck out of Randy Gregory still don't know why they gave him that contract and now that Frank Clark is there you expect to see more from them up next Eagles versus Patriots this is one of those good losses for the Patriots I was super impressed with what they did being down 16 nothing it kind of felt like oh fuck like are the Eagles just gonna run away with this one entirely but no that really wasn't the case the excuse me (coughs) excuse me the um the Patriots defense played excellent in this one um this is a team that drafted very heavily in the defensive side of the ball in this draft they obviously invested their three their first three picks on that side of the ball and all those guys played and all of them made an impact in this game keon white christian gonzalez both looked excellent 
Um, really, really impressed from what I saw there, especially from Gonzalez getting that sack late. Just, again, showing his versatility, showing all the different things he can do. Lined up across from A.J. Brown a lot of the time. Really impressed from what he saw there. And then even though Keon White didn't really show up on the stat sheet, stat sheet excuse me, he most definitely made his presence felt in this game with pressures. Was really impressed from what I saw there. And again, just I knew when he was drafted here, he was going to be an amazing fit in this defense. He absolutely is. Did not disappoint at all. Was really impressed from what I saw from him there. Um, I'm looking up the stats of this game really quick here. Yeah, Josh Uche was the one with the only sack. Uh, for the Patriots in this one. And then Matthew Judon had one as well. And then, of course, I mentioned Christian Gonzalez came off and got one um, while blitzing off of the edge. Overall, I think you expect the Patriots to run the ball more consistently. It was just wasn't in the script in this one. I think they really want to bring that identity back of the old school Patriots where it's more of a power running team first and then working off a of play action. Unfortunately, going down 16-0 early doesn't really add for a script where you can consistently run the ball you know i think they were just put in a position where they're passing the ball a lot but i think i thought mac jones looked pretty clean in this one obviously had to throw the ball a ton so his numbers are a little bit inflated because of it but i did think he made some really good plays in this one as well um you know you got to get better in the running game like i mentioned they still need a wide receiver one kendrick Bourne played well but Devonte parker was out in this one um but the amount of times kayshawn Boutte or booty however you say his name um was getting force fed balls when it's like that's a fifth round rookie who tested like shit at the combine and he's getting this type of volume it just it, it i don't think it's telling to like oh wow we got a steal here in Butte. it's more like oh no our offense or sorry our receiver talent is just bad i think that's more the case than like oh we got a steal here either way um super impressed with how the rookies played in this one and i think the eagles are going to be just fine i was shocked by how much kenneth gainwell how much work he got in the run game and i think that's going to change as the year goes forward i don't think he's going to see that much work um and i just think that the run offense is going to be better as we go forward i was really surprised to see that rashad penny was just a healthy scratch in this one um i don't think that's going to be the case going forward we know how big of what am i trying to say how big of a piece their identity was running the ball and I think that we see that again, not long from here. Jalen Carter also played pretty damn well in this one. He had a couple plays where he had some rookie moments, not going to lie. But in the same aspect, he was getting pressure. He did have a sack as well. Um, again, can't believe that he went to the fucking Eagles. He's going to be incredible for him. Just a perfect, perfect fit. Uh, but I think the overreaction in this one is that the Patriots will be back in the playoffs. I was really impressed by what they saw. I think Mac Jones, you know, bounces back this year after some question marks of him being the guy. And I think they're going to be led to the playoffs by their top five defense. Again, overreaction. So take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm saying if you have to overreact to this game right now, that would be my overreaction. And this is another game that was one of the most, probably the most surprising game of the weekend, in my opinion. I think it definitely was, actually. Rams versus Seahawks. This was the biggest shocker of the week. Complete and total ass whooping in the second half. It was really competitive in the first. The Seahawks looked like they did in the first half of last year. Their passing offense looked really good. DK Metcalf had a great touchdown in this one. And then, fuck, they just disappeared. It was like Geno was back to the old Geno. And it was just like, what the fuck happened? Like, where did we go? They got absolutely nothing going whatsoever in this game. I mean, just look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. Geno Smith, 26 pass attempts, 112 yards and a tutty. That's ass. Uh, <laughs> that's just straight up bad. If you look at the team stats, it tells the exact same story. 426 total yards for the Rams, 180 for the Seahawks. 334 passing yards for the Rams, 95 for the Seahawks. It's just bad all the way around <laughs> two for nine on third down for the seahawks 11 for 17 for the rams it's just everything that could have gone wrong for the seahawks in the second half did seemingly not even like a turnover based thing either it was just domination they couldn't convert on third downs the rams made the most and the seahawks defense couldn't make the plays when they needed to with all that being said go put in a waiver claim for puka nakua like right now if you haven't done that yet go do it right now this dude is for real he's going to be around for the long haul for this offense his 10 catches for 118 or 119 yards whatever it was that's going to happen each and every single week especially when cooper cup is not playing obviously if cooper cups comes comes back maybe he's going to get less workload and that can be the hesitancy there but cooper cup 
is not healthy right now. He might not be healthy for a while. Hamstring injuries linger for a very, very long time. This dude is literally flying all across the country to have people check out his hamstring. I'm not trusting that he's going to be healthy. Even if he is healthy, Puka, in theory, should be in that Robert Woods role. And they were seeing very similar target shares um, when they were both in the Jared Goff days. It wasn't until Matthew Stafford got there that Cooper Cup was getting insane volume and Robert Woods kind of fell off a cliff. So Puka Nakua, definitely worth putting in a claim, claim for. Really, really good volume there. And just... Every time I seem to look at the screen, he had the ball in his hands. Another guy worth mentioning is Kyron Williams. Uh, I'd be a little more wary about a waiver wire ad, but at the same time, it makes total sense. Cam Akers had 22 attempts for this one for just 29 yards. Uh, obviously, that relationship was really bad last year as well, so I don't really expect him to be the future going forward at all. Kyron Williams, someone they invested in, and Kyron Williams is a guy that can do a lot for you offensively. Not only can he run the ball effectively, more effectively than Cam Akers, evidently, and he did get more goal line work than Cam Akers, evidently, as he had two touchdowns on the ground, but he can also catch the ball. That was really what he was known for coming out of college, and he's even a decent pass protector. So I think as we go forward, Kyron Williams is going to get more and more snaps, and if this Rams offense can just stay average and just be surprising at being average and not be total ass, those two guys are definitely worth mentioning and definitely worth adding to your fantasy teams. And then, of course... Seattle just completely disappeared, completely disappointed. I don't know what to take away from this game entirely because, again, I think the overreaction has to be that this wasn't a fluke and that the Rams are going to be the second-best team in the NFC West and not the Seahawks. And, I mean, fuck, if the Rams play like they did in the second half and the Rams – or, sorry, what am I – yeah, I guess I guess that's still right. If the Rams' young guys step up to the plate – I mentioned this in my preview episode. When I was talking about the Rams in the NFC West, I literally said – I was like, if guys like Puka Nakua and Kobe Turner and fucking Kyron Williams in this case – I didn't mention Kyron Williams by name, but I did mention Puka and I did mention Kobe Turner. Um, if just My point is, if these young guys that really weren't expecting to beat anything – if a few of those lottery tickets in the form of draft picks can hit, the Rams are going to be a lot better than people think. Will that be the case going forward, or was this just a fluke? Time that's We don't know right now, right? Only time will tell. We really don't know. But, I mean, just given the one-game sample size, that's the direction it looks like it's headed. And I'm not saying that's going to end up like what's going to happen. What, if, Dude, I'm not speaking English right now. What the fuck? That's, I'm not saying that's going to end up what happens there we go fuck but in this one game sample size that's what you have to say just saying just saying so my overreaction this wasn't a fluke the rams will be the second best team in the nfc west again not saying that's true just saying overreacting to a one game sample size up next dolphins versus chargers win or lose the chargers are just always must watch tv this was such a fun game to watch holy fuck and yes i am slightly a chargers fan because of austin because i'm near the la area but fuck this was just so fun to watch also jc jackson was just getting picked on like crazy in this game i know he had an interception but then the dumbass fucking took it out of the end zone why would you ever do that and then of course it results in a punt. The Chargers would have had much better field position and much more field to work with if he didn't just take it out of the end zone and then end up stepping out at the three-yard line anyways. It was like, dude, what are we fucking doing, guy? That was so brain-headed. Or brain... What the fuck did I just say? That was just stupid. That was just stupid. You never should have done that. Okay. Whatever. Also worth mentioning, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Where the hell are they at? They're paying them all this money. They're super invested in them. They're like two stars on their team. And the pass rush was basically non-existent for the Chargers. Tua was kept clean very consistently. And that is why he ended up having such a good game in this one. Also worth mentioning, hopefully Austin can be healthy. Because their run game looked fantastic. Even when he wasn't on the field there, they looked really, really damn good. The stats tell the same thing as well. They were killing it in the run game. Um, if you look at their rushing yards, they had 234 along the ground and then on the other side of the ball they only allowed 70 this is this has been the chargers biggest weakness the past couple years they could get nothing going um as far as stopping the run and then running the ball they weren't that good at that either uh, austin eckler obviously fantastic on the ground but outside of that they really didn't have too much and he's really more of a receiving back you don't want him getting the heavy workload on the ground anyways so the fact that joshua kelly stepped up and played really really well is 
a pretty good sign for the Chargers and something to be excited for if you are a fan. Obviously, you'd rather have the win than the 234 yards on the ground. And their passing yards weren't great in totality, but you expect that to bounce back. I mean, you know what the Chargers' identity is. You know how good Justin Herbert is and he's consistently been in the top half of the league not even top half like he's been like top five in passing yards the past couple years so you expect that to you know correct and kind of go back to normal on this one but you know if you're looking at the glass half full from a Chargers point of view they stopped the run very very well only allowed 70 rushing yards and they ran the ball very well so that's you know something to be happy about but overall I mean they just choked it the Chargers just choked it like they they had a chance to win it and the Dolphins defense stepped up when it mattered most they got two sacks at the very end of the game there and this just feels so Chargers I think they need a change in their coaching staff that would be one overreaction in this game I think Brandon Staley needs to go and honestly I don't even know if that's an overreaction because I've been saying that for like two fucking years I think he's part of the problem there and I think he needs to go I don't know how you guys feel about that let me know um Tua Tagovailoa absolutely torched this Chargers secondary and I mean torched for 466 yards and three touchdowns obviously Tyreek Hill big part of that 11 catches 215 yards and two tutties as well um so I guess some overreactions I'd have to this one Tua will be an MVP candidate this year Tyreek will also be an MVP candidate and Tyreek Hill will go for 2,000 yards just like he predicted and Another thing I need to say about the Dolphins is this defense does need to play better. They weren't getting consistent pressure until the end of the game, but I fully expect them to do so. I totally believe in Vic Fangio in this coaching staff. I love some of their personnel. Of course, we know Jalen Ramsey is going to be back by the middle of the year. I think this team is going to be really damn good. And if the Bills play like the Bills that we saw on Monday night, they have a serious chance of winning their division in the AFC East. Next, get to the Packers and the Bears next. Fucking where to start with this game, bro? I don't even know if I want to talk about it. And if you've been talking to me, you've already heard how fucking disappointed I am. This is seriously one of the more disappointing losses in like the last few years. Obviously, the double doink hurts, obviously. But it's like game one of the season coming in with all this fucking hype we just got dj Moore. we made moves on offense we addressed positions of need as far as right tackle we got a new guard um we're revamping our defense and it's just like literally new year same exact shit i could make a fucking list and i could rant so long i could write a book maybe i can write a book but i could fucking rant for hours about this game and everything that went wrong for the bears and everything that we need fixing but I think it all starts at the top. I think we need to sell this fucking team. I think Virginia McCaskey needs to go. I think the McCaskies need to be done with it. There's a problem with ownership. It starts at the top. We always have bad fucking management. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm legitimately getting mad as I'm thinking about it because it's just like, I'm not even overreacting, bro. Ownership was just transferred from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. We are in for the same fucking shit, dude. It's the same fucking thing dude fields cannot read the field he can't read defenses he's not accurate with the ball a and b he doesn't know oh my god there's just times where it's like how would you have free rushers coming off of the edge like that like you're you're not accounting for the pass protection you're not even seeing that and then you're getting locked onto your first read so guys like quay walker are picking you off right off the middle you've been doing that since your fucking rookie year like those are the exact things you expect to fit or to fix and it really started showing it in that last preseason game where Justin was just looking terrible. Like there was multiple throws that he missed. There was uh, guys wide open that he just didn't even look at. There was times where he got locked on reads. There was times where he, he was leaving clean pockets. He did that again in this again in this one. He was holding on to the ball way too long and then being forced to scramble and putting himself in positions to get hurt. It was just like like ah. Uh, I don't even know what else to say. Like, as a Bears fan, and if you're also a Bears fan, and you're listening to this. Like, it just it just fucking stings so bad because it feels like there's no answer. There's like no way to fix this team this year and be competitive this year because everything you were expecting to see that was supposed to be better wasn't. And it looked like the same exact Bears team from the past couple years. We can't fucking pass the ball. Even our rushing offense looks significantly worse. Which is like, how? 
How the fuck did we get worse in that regard? Our, our fucking O-line was getting shit on by these Packers defensive linemen because they've got so many first-rounders along the defensive line. They're super talented at that position. Devontae Wyatt got home. Lucas Van Ness even had a sack in this one. Rashawn Gary looks unblockable. It's like... Whew. I gotta calm down. I gotta calm down. Aaron Jones fucking destroyed us along the ground like he always fucking does. We got absolutely zero... Zero pressure on Jordan Love whatsoever, especially from our front four. I know they're young up there and you hope that they can develop into something, but it's like, and I know that was supposed to be the weakest link of our team going into this, but it's like, fuck, dude. It's just so fucking frustrating to watch. That's like why we signed Unique Ngakwe and then our young secondary just got cooked. They just got fucking cooked. Tyreek Stevenson got a fade caught on him. It wasn't even the most perfectly placed ball, but Romeo Dobbs just high-key mossed. And Eddie Jackson got cooked um, by... I don't even fucking remember who it was for the first touchdown. I, I'm just Jaden Reed looks really good. It's like everything that could have gone wrong for the Bears just felt like it went terribly wrong. Terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. And I'm just really, really not looking forward to it. And I think my overreaction to this one, which honestly, I don't even think it's going to be overreaction. I think people are legitimately going to be having this conversation by week five. I think the Bears are going to be looking for a quarterback in next year's draft. I'm sorry, but I think they have to do it. Justin Fields is not it. He can't read the field. He's not taking the jumps like we expect him to in year three. And it's time to move on can't believe i'm about to say this but we probably should have stuck at one and taken bryce young and that is like <laughs> that's so painful for me to admit and like again this might just be total overreacting and it's week one and if there's one team that i most definitely will admit that i speak the most with my emotions with out of any team in the league it's the bears but i can't help it i'm just a fan dude all right cowboys giants sunday night football again not going to get into this one too much um, I would just say my biggest takeaways, my biggest overreactions are A, are these teams just in completely different strat stratospheres? Like, was this score really that telling to the different planes that these teams are on? Are the Giants due for regression? And are the Dallas de Dallas's defense in particular, are they ready for that next step up? That could be the case. I wouldn't be surprised if that is. Also, does Dallas have the best defense in the league? Maybe. Maybe. Low-key felt like this game was over 10 minutes into it. I really don't want to take too much away from this one because, again, it is week one. Um, but I just think the Giants are kind of pretenders. I didn't think they were going to be contenders anyways, but I really think 9-8 and eight is going to be their ceiling in this one. They need to go into Arizona and take care of business badly. Like, I'm talking, like, they need to win by 20-plus, just morally, just to get back in this one because losing to a division rival at home opening weekend, 40 to nothing, dude. Like, that can linger with you for a whole season if you don't get right next week. And luckily, they got a fucking absolute softball of all softballs, a little underhand pitch straight to them from the pitcher, uh, and they got the Arizona Cardinals. So they need to take care of business in that one. And I think my overreaction in this one is the Cowboys defense will go down as history as one of the best ever. I'm talking about the same breath as the 2000 Ravens, 85 Bears, that good. Up next, let's go to the Bills versus the Jets. And fuck, man, as a football fan, this sucks. Like this, the, yeah, like you just don't want to see this. Or like, what, however you feel about Aaron Rodgers, it just sucks. Like you don't want to see this. Um, literally, only getting four snaps before tearing his Achilles. Yeah, it just blows. And now the Jets are right back to square one. I mean, they you can make an argument that this is the best defense in the league. They absolutely exposed the hell out of Josh Allen, which I'll get to in a second. But again, the Jets are just back to square one. It's like, what do they do now? They can't ride. They cannot. They <laughs> There is no way in hell they can go to the press conference each week and tell their media guys oh yeah zach wilson is going to be the starter like he's our guy we're going forward with him we're hoping he can take us over the hump we've seen that story play out it hasn't worked yet i don't know how you can make an argument that it's going to work this year so i mean yeah i just i don't know what you do do you go get gardner Minshew? do you get james winston do you get matt ryan do you call up carson wentz are you hoping the Vikings suck, like I mentioned earlier, and they somehow get Kirk Cousins? Which, by the way, that's, I just don't think that's going to happen. I I think the most realistic option is Gardner Minshew. I know Jameis Winston has been talked about a lot, but it's like, in my opinion, you haven't seen enough from Jameis Winston. I mean, he threw 30 fucking touchdowns with 30 picks. I know that was a long time ago, but 
realistically, he hasn't played that much since then. Yeah, he had a few stints with the Saints, and his turnovers were down and whatever, but it's not like he was absolutely killing it out there. So I don't really know if that's your option there either. Um, I don't know what the Jets do, but I just feel for Jets fans, man. That fucking sucks. Um, and it really does suck in a way too because the Jets, one of their biggest weakness was offensive line. And you can argue it's kind of their fault that their season is over now. Obviously, it's like it's super fluky, and you just never really know what's going to happen. And injuries are always a part of this game; they just happen each and every single year. But you know, if Leonard Floyd doesn't get home on that one, who knows what happens? And if Rogers misses any more time than he does, so I, I'm. If any Jets fans are listening, I really am sorry. My deepest condolences. That fucking sucks. Your season's basically a wash now after literally being the most talked about team this entire offseason. And, man, it just sucks. I guess one of my overreactions will, with Rodgers out, will they still be the second best team in the AFC East? And you can make a couple arguments for who will be the best. I mean, you can even make go far enough and say like, oh, well, the Jets still be the best team in the AFC East. Is their defense just that good and that like, you know, in that type of stratosphere as being one of these all-time great defenses where they can carry themselves over teams like the Dolphins and the Bills? But I'm really thinking that the Dolphins, um, at least, you know, after week one, if you're just looking at after this, looking at how the Bills played, looking at how the Dolphins played, you know, if you, they played tomorrow, you'd probably be taking the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat them last year. It's really not that hot of a take to say that. Um, but I guess another overreaction would be, do the Bills just take a huge step back? Is Josh Allen regressing? Is he going too far into that gunslinger mentality and just needs to dial it back a lot? Because that's exactly what it looked like in this one. It was There was just too many times. There's three interceptions, obviously. If you're watching the game, you already know that. But those three interceptions were bad. They were really, really, really bad decisions that you don't expect to, you know, be thrown from a guy who's making $50 million a year, your franchise guy. So again, is he regressing? Uh, will Stefan Diggs eventually ask out if Allen continues to play at this level? And will the Bills just take another huge step back and go nine and eight or 10 and seven or something like that? Could it be a catastrophic season for the Bills would really be my overreaction to this one. And is Josh Allen just, going too far into that gun, gunslinger direction and needs to take it back a touch either way um i mean just from a game point of view obviously it sucks that aaron Rodgers went down but this game was awesome and it was really cool to see it go down to overtime and shout out xavier gibson for winning it in ot undrafted free agent also bills whoever your punter is i don't know his name off the top of my head cut that dude i don't fucking care how good you guys think he is find a new punter cut that dude if you know you know if you don't look up punter tries to tackle xavier gibson that's all i'll say and that's what i'm going to end the episode on i really hope you enjoyed this one i just talked for an hour fucking straight i can't believe i just did that either way hope you guys enjoyed it <laughs> have a great rest of your day i am available on apple podcasts as well as here on spotify be sure to follow me on both of them also, go follow me over on Instagram at Murphy's League. Share this with your friends and family. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all, and peace out.